BAM Radio Network. I think that tests should never be a surprise. You should know what your students know, and I don't even test until I know they know it. What are some of your formative assessment tools and recommendations and training that you've done with your teachers? How does data-driven instruction look at a school that's actually achieving and actually accomplishing? Is it something that's just taking the life out of learning? Welcome to Every Classroom Matters. This is Vicki Davis, the Cool Cat Teacher, and you're listening to the show for busy teachers everywhere about the best practices that matter. Let's get started. You know, everybody wants to know how to improve their school. And today we have with us one of the top three schools in Indiana in terms of Title I improvement. And this is an elementary school. Jason, you are a principal at Meadows Edge Elementary. You've been there for two and a half years. And today we want to talk about some of your secrets for improvement. So tell us, what are some of your secrets? Well, I think we've, we've had a lot of success at Meadows Edge Elementary here in Penn Harris, Madison. And I think it starts with creating a personalized learning environment for our students. So um, I think that personalized learning environment starts with the value and the emphasis we put on formative assessment so we can identify where those gaps are that students, you know, that we need to fill in. And then we're very intentional about interventions that we put into place to help fill in those gaps and, and get students, you know, meet them where they're at, but get them to where they need to be. So we really focus on training our teachers to identify those gaps. And then, you know, each child's learning along that sequence so that we are reteaching in the areas where we need to reteach and, mm-hmm. and helping students master some, some things that maybe were previously taught, but we need to go back and hit those again and, you know, skills that will be critical to their future success. Now, you just said a word I love. You said formative assessment because, you know, I, th- I think that tests should never be a surprise. You should know what your students know, and I don't even test until I know they know it. What are some of your formative assessment tools and recommendations and training that you've done with your teachers? Right. So, I think sometimes it's, it's just as easy or it's just as simple as a teacher using something like an, like an exit card at the end of a lesson to see what the students have, you know, and, and, and what, they, what they need to go back and work on again. And sometimes it's a bigger assessment. You know, in Indiana, a lot of the schools, we use something called acuity that helps, uh, helps us identify gaps. Um, but, but I agree with you. I think formative assessment is incredibly powerful, and, and it, it has to be, you know, students, Goodness knows our students take a lot of tests, right? And so if we're not using those to, for a purpose, it has to be purposeful, quality, formative assessment, and then that helps us drive our instruction, um, and, it, and it really helps us uh, identify areas um, mm-hmm. that we need to go back and reteach and, and, and help our students make those, take those next steps. Now, there's so many great tools out there. I wrote a piece for Edutopia on five fast formative assessment tools, Socrative, uh, Kahoot, Plickers. These are all great tools and really all of us can use and there's tons of free tools out there too. And, and I think it's important for all of us to, to notice how Jason believes it's important for formative assessment to be there. Now, Jason, you also are great at recognizing and noticing your teachers. What are some of the ways that you empower teachers? Uh, because you were a teacher for many years, weren't you? I was and I was able to teach uh, grades two through six and at two very different elementary schools and a middle school. And so um, you know, I haven't forgotten what it's like to be in the classroom, and certainly there are challenges that are that are maybe different now than than we had five years ago. But but um, we, we do we try to empower our teachers and play to their strengths, and we need to get people. You know, it, 
into the into a position and with a team of teachers where they can be successful. Um, one of the things our teachers did such a, a great job with this year is it kind of um, something we called the power of yet. And I think I talked to you a little bit about it last summer when we spoke, but it was it's uh, we at our opening staff meeting this year we had some conversation about Carol Dweck's research at Stanford um, and mindset. And kind of in a nutshell, we talked about um, the power of yet and, and maybe identifying with students things that they want to be good at, but maybe that they're not great at yet. And we talked about the power, you know, the power of that word yet. And students started setting goals and um, some teacher modeling took place. And students, we even had yet bulletin boards around the school where students were posting cards up of, you know, I'm not good at playing the piano yet, or I'm not good at adding fractions yet. And it's been really neat to see throughout the course of this school year where students have, have started to achieve some of those goals and are now asking if they can set new goals, which is oh. incredibly powerful. That's awesome because you're going from yet to yes, aren't you? And so you're talking about this awesome book by Carolyn Dweck called Mindset, where we, we want to move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. And growth mindset is so highly correlated with success in just in just about every area. How do you introduce to elementary kids this kind of growth mindset? So you're talking about yet. What else are you doing? Well, I think it started with our teachers modeling, and teachers were willing to um, well, it started with our in-service, really, and teachers were identifying areas where they didn't feel um, that th- it was a strength for them yet. And, and we, you know, once you get, I think, into an, an atmosphere, if you can create an atmosphere where people feel comfortable talking about things that maybe are a weakness to them, well, then, you know, you're a- able to have that conversation. And, and so we started with teachers, and then teachers were able to have that conversation with students about something that they wanted to get better at. And when the students see the teacher, you know, especially in the elementary, they see the teacher able to talk to them about something that they want to get better at, the students just really ate it up right from the beginning. Now, Jason, if I could be a fly on the wall, and, you know, great leaders are repeaters. They repeat these sayings and these things over and over and over. If I think back on my life of all the great leaders I've ever worked with, they repeated things over and over. So, Jason, what are the things that you repeat to your staff over and over? Yeah, I think that what we talked about initially in the conversation about that personalized learning environment and meeting students where they're at and really using formative assessment and data to drive what we're doing, but also the power of yet and really stressing to students and to teachers that we're not a finished product. We never are. We're always improving and, and focusing on that growth mindset. And I think when you, you know, when you kind of put all that together, we're focused on continuous improvement. That's our culture at the school. It's really our culture. Our, you know, Dr. Thacker talks about a culture of excellence. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're about, that continuous performance or that continuous improvement, um, that growth mindset where it's, it's every teacher, it's every staff member, it's every student, it's every day. Uh, I love that. Now, you also said another keyword a lot of people are talking about, data-driven instruction. And I can just hear people, all of our listeners, groaning. But how does data-driven instruction look at a school that's actually achieving and actually accomplishing? Is it something that's just taking the life out of learning, or how do you use it? Actually, I think it does the opposite. I don't think it takes the life out of learning. I think using data appropriately and, and not drowning in data, but using it appropriately to identify where students are at. And if you can meet them at their level, the level of student engagement goes way up. And gone are the days where you could just pitch to the middle and just hope that, you know, a portion of the class gets it. Because 
We have students that are struggling, that are low, and we have high-ability students who are really need to be pushed and challenged at their level or they can become bored. So we use that formative assessment and that data to identify different ways that we can hit students exactly where they're at on their level. So no, I don't think it takes the fun out of, out of teaching and learning. I think it makes it better. So you use the word using data appropriately. How? How? Well, I think that, you know, once you have the data from, from whatever formative assessment that you're using, for example, we're able to um, group students appropriately into flexible groups where we, you know, they might be working on, on different things for a week or two, and then they may move into a different group. And those groups are oftentimes, we work with teachers to create those groups so that, you know, students are learning appropriate skills, but they're having a lot of fun. Um, of course, learning has to be fun. Absolutely. Now, Jason, a lot of teachers are real nervous these days. You know, there's so many different ways they're being, that teachers are being assessed, and so much change is happening. What would you say that the best teacher looks like today? How do you describe that person? Wow, that's a good question. I think, uh, I think that good teachers can look a variety of ways. I'm not, I'm not certain that there's, you know, one style that's the right style of teacher. I definitely think it helps if you have someone that has, like we talked about, a growth mindset that's always looking to take that next step professionally mm-hmm. um, and become better and, and um, improve their craft. Uh, but I also think it, it starts with really wanting to make a difference for kids. Um, and you know, whether you're talking about elementary or secondary, uh, you know, students have to come first. And we see that every day here in PHM. We see that we have phenomenal teachers, and they don't all have the same style, but they all work really hard. They all are always looking to grow, and they're great collaborators, too. Well, you've got so many things for us to think about. You've got data-driven assessment. You've got formative assessment. You've got the growth mindset. But let's end with the most important thing, which is students first. Let's personalize learning for them. It can be done. Don't be discouraged if you're at a Title I school. Jason's there, and he and his teachers, he's got an awesome team. He brags and brags on them. Um, I know when I talked to them, he just went on and on about his staff, and I think you'll also find that too, that great leaders who are principals uh, have a great staff and really bring out the best in that staff and, and help them see that they are winners and that they are they are great leaders of their students. So thanks for being with us today, Jason. And teachers, just remember, level up a little bit every day. You've been listening to Every Classroom Matters. If you think today's guest is helpful or inspiring, will you share this show with someone else? I'm Vicki Davis, the Cool Cat Teacher, and I'm here to help. So give me a shout-out on Twitter. And thank you for making the best practices here on Every Classroom Matters part of your busy day. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.